It is now time for the Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look around the Big 12 Conference. And as we do each and every week here on the Big 12 Breakdown, we begin with our hot takes in the Big 12 Conference as uh, we try to keep things spicy around here. And Tom, I know just last week we were talking about this Oklahoma team after having a resounding win against Nebraska. Granted, not a good team, but a road win against the rival and beating him in the fashion they did. It was a statement win. And we had talked about how Oklahoma, that was a different Oklahoma team that we had not seen before in a long time. And that they looked like a playoff team, a playoff caliber winning team. I- I'm, I'm going 180 this week. Call it overreaction Monday, whatever you may be. I don't care. But Oklahoma losing to Kansas State team that lost to Tulane, might I add, and an Oklahoma team that could not stop Adrian Dan Martinez here, of all people. Um, look, that's just the first Big 12 conference game. Granted, the schedule plays kindly to OU that they get Oklahoma State and Baylor at home, but, hell, K-State was a home game, too. Um, the bleeding's not stopping. There's going to be another loss or two for this Oklahoma team. OU's playoff hopes are done. I know they aren't technically. I know that they could, if they went out, there's a good chance Oklahoma could still get in. But I am, within a week, Changing my complete tune on OU. I'm selling the Sooners. I'm done. They're 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 not a playoff team. Their season's over, as far as I'm concerned. Is is that too much of a hot take there, or you agree? Yeah, Jones. I don't know if their season's done or not. You know, I I I like what Gundy has to say about this whole entire league. That you know, the Big Twelve Championship might be a, a two teams that are also two or three loss playing to claim that championship. And by that logic, you know, the Big 12 would end up missing out of the college football playoff. So that is not too far-fetched to say. Um, you know, uh, I, I, this league, I think the parity that we've seen would not be shocking if we did make it on our own accord because the Big 12 just beat each other up too much. With, with that said, I, I say their season's done, essentially, that they're not going to make the playoff here. With Brent Venables in his first year, do we judge success by them being a playoff team or not? I mean, if, if, if let's say that they win out or even if they lose another and they still win the Big 12, is that a success for, for, uh, for Brent Venables in his first year in Norman? I would say so. A lot of OU fans say playoff or bust, but they've been spoiled, you know. Like, they've had the transfer portal obviously work out for them from Baylor to Kyler to Jalen. And then after that, I think they had that momentum built up, that somewhat false momentum of, of kind of like, well, I guess this is going to how it's going to have to be every year, which yeah. is, you know, you realistically, you you don't, expect a brand new head coach, a brand new transfer quarterback in Dylan Gabriel 
who is the lesser of the total of four uh, pass transfers being Baker, Kyler, Jalen, and now Dylan. He's the less. He's he's the least of those. You you. Oh, he, and he's not he really. He's really so not many wide open receivers. It's ridiculous. Right, right, and you know he hasn't turned the ball over really. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of people expect him to keep that same standard, and it's just, to be honest, it's unrealistic. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think you, you have a good point there. How about you? What's your uh, Big Twelve hot take this week, Tom? Big Twelve hot take coming straight here. I'm gonna stay away from Baylor and Oklahoma State. I I don't think anything I could say would technically be a hot take. Um, I will say my hot take is that um, here's a quick one. KU beats Iowa State and Lawrence. Jalen Daniels does not have the best of days. And instead, that Neil kid, Devin Neal, yeah. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Devin, Devin Neal is the one that shows out and gets is responsible for the dub. That's my hot take. Okay. Um, that would be interesting because Jalen Daniels has looked terrific uh, so far this year, and we don't really know how good this Iowa State team is at this point. I mean, that remains right. to be seen. Um, it's a great unknown. You know, I mean, they, they lost to Baylor, but they beat Iowa, and – it's just like, who are they? I don't know who Iowa State is. So, and, and if Daniel struggles, do they have enough to overcome that? That's why it's a hot take, baby. Right. Oh, yeah. It's a very good hot take. Um, that, I, I don't know because that offense is so dependent on him. That would be very interesting to see. Um, well, when I say struggles, I don't mean he the bed, but right. he doesn't have a Heisman candidate-worthy game by any means. Sure. That's my hot take. Okay. He does uh, enough to get it done, but it's not – you're not writing home about it. Um, One more thing, and then we'll uh, break down the games in the conference this week, the, uh, the slate of games here. Uh, report from CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd this week that the Pac-12 could be close to a demise with the Big Ten – potentially getting a TV package with Amazon uh, or a streaming service to and be able to bring in four Pac-12 schools, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. And then that would open the door then for the four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State to come to the Big 12 and be the end of the Pac-12 as we know it. Um, you know, the, the Big 12 is already starting negotiating their new TV contract. Yeah, they've begun those negotiations now. They know Baylor and Houston and BYU and Cincinnati and UCF are on the way next year. Oklahoma and Texas are on the way out. Um, I'll say this. I do not know what the end result will officially be. None of us do, really, for that matter. But with what we do know right now, I think that we can all feel pretty confident as we've talked about lately, and this kind of just reassures what we've talked about. Things are going to be okay. For a league that's been unstable as it's been for quite some time, the Big 12, um, and granted, 
I want this league to be proactive and, and aggressive. But I think it, it is interesting to sit back and not be in the in the seat of worry and the trust, not on the brink of elimination here. The Big 12 is is not that conference right now. All eyes are on what happens to the Pac-12, and then everything goes from there right now. I mean, the, the Big 12 is, to use a NASCAR term, Tom, they're, they're in the catbird seat right now. So with that, let's uh, take a look now at the Big 12 slate this week. And uh, five games, all conference games this week in the Big 12. They include, uh, starting at 11 a.m., Oklahoma taking on TCU, that game in Fort Worth. The Sooners are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. And TCU 3-0, and one of just a couple teams in the conference with an undefeated record at this point. Max Duggan appears to be the guy for TCU for now. Um I like Chandler Morris, but, uh, you know, he dealt with that injury in that first game. And Duggan, for the most part, ha- has done a, a decent job going, you know, 47-61, 695 yards and eight touchdowns at this point. Um, Duggan, I, I would say that uh, he and this uh, TCU team are running into a buzzsaw here at this point. This Oklahoma team, this Sooner team, does not lose back-to-back games very often. And I, I like Oklahoma, and I like Oklahoma big here. They are a much more talented team and going on the road with a chip on their shoulder. Back-to-back weeks to the DFW area here for OU as they'll play against uh, Texas next week there at the uh, Cotton Bowl. Um, you know, and, and something to prove, you know, Dylan Gabriel not looking very accurate last week. Missing on some open receivers. I think that Oklahoma team has a wake-up call. Now, I told you earlier that I'm selling this Oklahoma team as far as their playoff hopes or anything like that. But I do think that this Oklahoma team does bounce back this week, that they deliver a statement, deliver a message that at least they're not going away quietly. This team's not going to give up. Rick Finnables isn't going to let that happen. I like Oklahoma to take care of business against TCU there. Also at 11 a.m. on Saturday, K-State and Texas Tech. The Wildcats come in ranked 25th in the nation. And K-State favored by eight in this game, taking on the Red Raiders here. K-State now, you got the win last week against Texas Tech. And that was a big deal. Or, or against Oklahoma, rather. That was a big deal to get that road win. And we saw Adrian Martinez just unleash. And I heard a great interview with Allison Williams, who was on the sidelines for Fox doing the broadcast. She was on with a Dan Dockage on Outkick this week. And she said that from what she had talked about and what she had heard, that Adrian Martinez really just unleashed, that he played with a freedom that he never played with before, that he was playing so afraid to turn the football over and to lose control. And now what we've we've seen out of Adrian Martinez and this K-State bunch is, you know, just playing loose, just trying to, uh, you know, have fun again, essentially in the football field. And Texas Tech, not a bad team. We heard, you know, McGuire, their head coach last week, say that, you know, Texas Tech is putting – putting the nation on notice now after that win against Texas, 
I thought that was a bit much, uh, quite frankly. But K-State at home, coming in with momentum, uh, bad timing for Texas Tech here. Texas Tech is a improved team from last year. But K-State, I think they found that spark they were looking for. And now we see a new Adrian Martinez. I like K-State to take the advantage and get the win here. Uh, 2.30 window. Iowa State taking on Kansas. As mentioned, we do not know who this uh, Iowa State team is through a few games. They're 3-1, lost to Baylor, but who are they? I don't know who this Iowa State team is. Kansas, meanwhile, I know that they can put up points. And that they can hang with anybody. They're going to score. They got a great quarterback at Jalen Daniels. They got a good run game. Kansas can do it all. I've seen this Iowa State team at times not have a good offense and not be able to put up points. And so, with that said, uh, I'm riding the wave of momentum. I'm going with Kansas to win this game, to get the win on their home turf. I think that we're talking about. KU in a couple of weeks taking a visit to Norman and being undefeated. I think that's realistic at this point. I think you win this week, you beat TCU the next week, and KU comes to Norman with an undefeated record. And that would certainly catch a lot of eyeballs. I know this week it was a bit ridiculous. It was a bit too far when uh, we saw – the projections of them going to the Sugar Bowl and facing Alabama. That may have been a bit much. But I got to tell you, things are heading the right direction. Things are looking good in Lawrence. I like that it to continue against Iowa State. Oklahoma State and Baylor. Game in Waco, 2.30 Central Time on Saturday. And you have a Baylor team that is very physical. And an Oklahoma State team, it's very physical. And for me, what, what I'm looking at, at this Baylor and Oklahoma State game, for me, it, it's going to be about who can establish running the football. Because I don't know what I'm going to see from, from Spencer Sanders. Sanders has played really well this year, but you always know that you're only one week away from that Spencer Sanders letdown game. Oklahoma State has to run the football well. Baylor, if they do that, that makes things a lot easier on Blake Shapin. To me, that's what I'm watching for is who is going to run the football better. And I, I lean more towards Oklahoma State in this game personally, um, as far as I'm concerned. And and I think they play with an edge. They don't – I mean – all offseason long, this Oklahoma State team saw what happened when they were a yard short of winning the Big 12 title and potentially going to the college football playoff. Uh, they got something proved. This is personal for Oklahoma State. This one, this one means more, as they say. I, I'm, I like Oklahoma State here. Um, and then the nightcap, West Virginia taking on Texas. Both teams at two and two. We might see Quinn Ewers back this week. Look, I've said things about Texas on this show 
Um, Texas has got problems. Uh, Sark and company, they've taken some steps in the right direction. Sure. But this week, you're taking on a West Virginia team that, sure, they got a win against Virginia Tech last week. But there is literally no hope for West Virginia. I mean, every week is Neil Brown firing watch at this point. I mean, that's what this comes down to. And so with that, Texas is the more down team. They're the home team. This is one of those games that says Texas should win. But are they going to pull a Texas and let this one slip away? Everything points to that Texas should win this game. But we'll see. I lean towards Texas. I think Texas can win and cover, but it might be time for another Texas letdown game. This is all about UT for me. It's not even about West Virginia. West Virginia, I'm done with. Uh, you're you're dead to me. Texas, what do you got? Let's see. Coming up on the other side, still more to get to as we're talking all the football you could think of here on today's show. Stay with us. <laughs> Thomas Bridges here on the Big 12 Breakdown this week. I'm joined now by TJ Reeves, college football play-by-play broadcaster for Compass Media Networks. He was on the call last Saturday for Texas at Texas Tech. TJ, how is it going? Listen, it's always great to be with you. Somebody's got to keep Tyler Jones in line on the Big 12 Breakdown and the Jones Report and whatever. I can't. It's a full-time job. I can't do it. You, got, you can't do it alone. we got to tag team this thing together. I'm glad you're doing it for the most part. Uh, being around him and it's great to be with you and what a fantastic game to talk about last weekend in Lubbock I mean if that is the last time that Texas Tech and Texas play what a memorable ending this is because the Longhorns are leaving as you know Thomas to go to the SEC if that was it what a fantastic game that we're going to talk about obviously I mean it was it was you know one for the for the books and especially if you're a Tech fan or you know a lot of a lot of us now in the Big 12 are what they like to call the hateful eight. Um, and so if you're on the other side and not an OU or Texas fan, uh, I think if you're one of those hateful eight, you were smiling at the end of that game, um, especially how it ended, uh, you know, in, in the whole second half, right? Texas had that, what was it? 31 17 lead. Correct. And then tech comes back. Uh, what Joey McGuire has done so far, TJ, you, you watched that you were at that game, called that game with the legend Tiki Barber as well. Tell me, did you get to talk to Joey McGuire? What, what are your thoughts on what a job Joey McGuire has done thus far in Lubbock? Well, we didn't get to specifically talk to him. He's a, he was a busy guy and he was being mobbed by several thousand of his closest friends on the field after the game. I think Thomas half of Lubbock came running on the field. Uh, at, at Jones AT&T Stadium when that winning field goal went through. Uh, and Tiki and I were just very impressed uh, across the board with how well coached they are uh, fundamentally and the riverboat gambler mentality, the fourth down. He went for it on fourth down eight times in that game. He went for it early in the game on fourth and goal uh, inside the five-yard line. And Donovan Smith, the quarterback, made a great move. On a, on a run play, on a run pass option and got in the end zone where they could have been stuffed for no points. He was even going for it, though, on the final drive with the game tied at 31 apiece and under a minute to go. And we were saying at that time, 
uh, Thomas, that if you don't make this at midfield, you're handing the ball to Texas at midfield, and Texas even had a couple of timeouts left, to go burn the clock, get 15, 20 yards, burn the clock, and beat you with a field goal. So it was a real uh, gutsy mentality, and you got to give him a lot of credit. He is a very, very uh, well-known and distinguished high school coach out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, at uh, Cedar Hill High School, not one, not two, but three state championships at the 6A level, hello. And then he ends up working for Matt Rule at Baylor for a couple of seasons, stays on board with Dave Aranda when he took over, was Aranda's assistant head coach and one of the top recruiters, obviously, the Dallas-Fort Worth area for Aranda, and now gets this job. And I, I think a lot of people around the country would be going, who on – on uh, Joey McGuire, they're not going who anymore after that game and after his mentality of, hey, we didn't we didn't come here to kick field goals, punt the ball, and have Texas beat us. We're we're going to stomp on the gas, keep the ball, and go for it on fourth down, Thomas. And I think his team responded. I think they did, and and you know, I I think he's somewhat already. I don't I don't want to be too prisoner of the moment, but somewhat building that culture at Tech already in in building that identity and who they actually are. Uh, for Joey McGuire, I think they could be that team. Uh, you know, you mentioned Matt Rule, big analytics guy. Joey McGuire following the same footpath. They've talked about it nationally, or at least in the Big 12 this week. They, I, I know they asked Mike Gundy about it, about going for it on fourth down, and, and there was a whole spill. I think I believe they even asked Dave Aranda uh, about the fourth downs, and, and they both had similar answers, and, and it was kind of a, you know, who are you playing? And to take that into account, and, and they even asked Mike Gundy, do you coach a defense differently? Is the defensive game plan now different that we might have more coaches across the college football landscape going for it on fourth down? When, when you have a third and 10 and you know that team is saying, well, we don't need to get 10, let's get six or seven and then set up that fourth down if we know we're going for it. Um, you know, we're getting that more of that riverboat mentality. Uh, well, and I think if, if I can interject one thing you yeah. take into account on this as always is situations, not just who you're playing. Are you winning or not? Or are you tied? Are you behind, et cetera? That's what made the one at the end. So wild where obviously they, they weren't going to probably punt and try maybe to pin them in deep in the final minute and say, play for overtime. His mentality there was it was fourth and short. I want to win the football game on the final drive. If I can win the football game here at the end on the final drive, I'm going to go for it and win the game. So the situation is big on it. And, that you know, you, you know your team. If you're a coach, you know your team and your momentum, and it almost empowers your team. It seemed to empower Texas Tech going for it on fourth down uh, on, uh, on Saturday. So, yes, a analytics – has its place. The advanced stats has its place. The riverboat gambler mentality has its place. The one thing I've always said, though, with this is a lot of the numbers people don't live in the real world a lot of times on you can get yourself fired. If you do that stuff and it's dumb enough enough times and big in big enough games, you do it two or three times in big enough games, you can get yourself fired. Even though the analytics Bible says you should be doing it all the time, the analytics Bible is not going to help you 
uh, and stop you from getting canned in a big-time coaching job if you screw it up. But for McGuire, it's worked out. And I did see in the post-game locker room there where he was hollering about, uh, you know, the, the, now now this conference runs through Lubbock. Settle down a little bit. I know Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, but settle down a little bit on that. It still was a great win, obviously, for them. Right. It was a great win. I know the tortillas were flying and, and you know, that's, I, I've yet to make it down to Lubbock to see that. Um, and I know that's it was, way out west. Hey, it was something like, let me just tell you this on the big 12 breakdown. Can we just be real here for a minute? Everywhere we went Friday night and Saturday, Texas tech fans. I mean, we went to, when we went to breakfast, we were, we were around a hotel. We're walking around the stadium tailgate Everybody we talked to thought that the Longhorns were going to win, win convincingly, if not blow them out. They had very little confidence. Joey McGuire don't want to hear that. But the Texas Tech faithful around Lubbock, around the stadium, they didn't believe. But, man, the players believed. And certainly when the second half, when they put the rally on down by two touchdowns to get the game tied and eventually uh, take the lead. And what a great drive. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, a little more in a second. What a great job by Hudson Card and the and the offense of Texas to get the ball down the field, a la Mahomes and the Chiefs in the playoff game with the Bills. They only had like 20 seconds to get in field goal range, and they did uh, with a big-time completion. So we'll talk more about that in a second. But uh, to have that kind of come back, and they had uh, one of the largest crowds they've had there, over 65,000 at that stadium, which is which is newly renovated again. Uh, it was some scene to be part of in Lubbock in victory for sure. That's great to hear. And then, you, you know, you mentioned Hudson Carden and, and kind of the position that he's been thrust in, right. You know, Quinn Ewers goes down in the Alabama game, uh, you know, primetime Fox game early on, uh, at, you know, and, and Texas had been playing real hot in that game. Quinn Ewers was playing real great. And, and that game ended, we all know how that game ended. It, and Texas looked like they were back, right? Uh, Hudson Card gets thrown in that situation. I still thought he played decent enough, and they still should have won that game. A little bit of question questionable officiating. That, you know, that will be on the docket for Texas probably for a long, until they play next year in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> um, he comes in, plays okay. Right. Still has Texas competing somewhat. Now, they play Red River. They got West Virginia this week, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on that for sure because I know you kind of like West Virginia um, and what they've kind of got going now that they've made it past that pit game. But, um, you know, Hudson Card, he's got this week probably, and then the and what we kind of hear is maybe Quinn Ewers comes back for the Red River rivalry. Uh, Hudson Card, though, this week at West Virginia, thoughts? Well, he was he was really good. I mean, throughout the game, uh, again they were they were ahead early, uh, then they were behind fourteen to ten, and then they really controlled the game from that point. They're down fourteen ten, and they they end up scoring twenty one of the next twenty four points and appeared to be in command. And it was Card. Yes, some of it was Bijan Robinson, the running back. He had a long run in the third quarter to help extend the lead. Uh, before the comeback by the Red Raiders. But I thought Card played well. And I know midweek as we're talking that Ewers is back at practice. The Texas media is reporting that he is taking some first-team reps. I'm with you. If if you could have Card play and play well against West Virginia and win the game, and now you have the option of Ewers resting an extra week before the Oklahoma game, then that's that's something you would want then there's an argument too because they they didn't lose that game because Hudson Card was bad. 
Uh, they, they lost that game because their defense ultimately couldn't stop them. And then Robinson fumbled on the first play of overtime. As you, as you know, Thomas, uh, he opened the door. It was gift wrapped for, a, for a tech for Texas tech when he fumbled on the first play of overtime. So Card didn't play poorly to lose the job. I'll kick it back to you. If he plays well against West Virginia at home, and I believe West Virginia is going to give them problems and give them fits. We'll get into that in a minute too, if you like, but if he plays well at home and they win, how easy is it to sit him down, whether yours is healthy or not against Oklahoma? That's, that's a real, that's a real 50, 50 question. Isn't it for Sarkeesian? What do you think, Thomas? Yeah. I mean, for Sark, you have to wonder, you know, if you go in and, and lay the pipe against West Virginia, and Hudson Card plays well. You're absolutely right. He didn't play bad. He didn't lose Texas that game at Tech. It was the defense that was a typical uh, Steve Sark collapse in the second half. We've seen it time and time again um, in the last couple of years that he's, you know, that Texas team loses almost the gas, right? Like they're weirdly unconditioned, maybe. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a pattern. Um, and so I think if he can come out and play well, then why not start him in the OU game? You know, you don't want to rush Quinn Ewers back too much. Uh, you, you know, that injury, I, I feel like that could be, you know, you could, that, that's an easily, that injury could happen again. If he gets mm -hmm. hit in the right spot and he's not ready to come back, uh, you, you don't want to injure him further. But and then he's likely done for the year. Yeah, you would, you would yes. hold him out. And, and, you know, at that point, you know, what do you, what do you do? Um, you know, Hudson card, I, like I said, has played well. I think he, he is arguably, this is a weird spot, right? We're in what week five coming in here. See, he's the best backup in the big 12. I don't know another backup that I can roll off out of my big 12 mind that would give you as good of a game as Hudson card. Would. Well, you might make the argument that cause Donovan Smith, the Texas tech quarterback began Ooh. the year as the backup and he had to replace Shuck the uh, the Oregon quarterback after his injury, so maybe he was the best backup. But now Card would would definitely have to qualify as the best backup that's now playing. And he was twenty for thirty in that game last week, two seventy seven. He played very well in the comeback. They were losing to UTSA to Texas San Antonio the previous week. He played well again. Bijan Robinson ran it well in the second half of that game, and uh, and Robinson's going to be a real key in this game with West Virginia too. If they can get back to running him. And, and getting him at five or six yards a clip. And you know he can break a long one. He has broken the long one three or four times already this year, including had that 40-yard uh, touchdown run in the third quarter on Saturday. That'll be another big key for them. But it's a, it's a real, as we like to say, a dilemma. A dilemma on what do you do there at quarterback uh, between Ewers and Hudson Card, for sure. I, I think it'll be very this, – this game this weekend at Daryl K. Royal in Austin, uh, <laughs> Neil Brown – for West Virginia, he has something to prove. Well, he, he needs to keep proving he's a, it. He's definitely on the hot seat, but he helped his cause with the with the Virginia Tech win. He can help it greatly, greatly with a win in Austin. Do you want a couple of stats for short-term investment purposes for those that are interested in a little short-term investment in this game? Uh, West Virginia uh, won as the underdog against Virginia Tech on the road. Now, this is a tough task to go and play here against Texas, but it's interesting that three times – Last year, as an underdog in a Big 12 game, they covered. They won two of the games. One of the games was against Oklahoma, where they covered as more than a 15-point underdog. You go back, they were not a significant underdog in any Big 12 game uh, in 2020, in the pandemic crazy year. You go back to Neil Brown's first year in 2019. 
They were a 10-point or more underdog three times in 2019. They won two of those games and covered in all three of them. My point is, moving forward to this to last season and to this season, he has repeatedly won as a Big 12 large underdog, either covered or won the game. So nine and a half and 10 points seems to be maybe too large of a line, Thomas. I don't know what you're thinking on Mountaineers, Longhorns, but I'm taking a strong look at that one just based off of three times a year ago where they were underdogs in Big 12 play and won the game, won at Iowa State, uh, and they won, I believe, against TCU as a double-digit underdog, won the game outright, covered against Oklahoma as like a 17-point underdog, and they only lost by a touchdown dangerous for that line to be that large. I'm calling it right now in the big 12 breakdown, Thomas. He's calling it. And I like that. I like that a lot. You know, uh, you look at this Texas team when you're talking about that line, you know, previous week um, you had a UTSA team. Who's, who's no slouch. I UTSA right. has come a long way. Um, and trailer has that team. I is a tough out. They are a tough out and they played tough against Texas week before you had, Alabama stifled that crowd when it seemed like Texas could have done it. And then you talk about this week in tech coming back in the second half and, and breaking hearts and flipping tortillas. I want to see the mentality of this Sark led Texas team against a West Virginia mirror, West Virginia Mountaineer team that one, a coach has something to prove. And two West Virginia always has that. We're going to get you mentality. Yeah. The no line, doubt. I think, is too big. TJ, I do want to touch on we, – we touched on Texas and Tech, and we te- touched on McGuire. There was another upset in the Big 12, mm. equally, equally as big, if not bigger, uh, considering all things, and, and kind of shuck up what we kind of imagine for what the Big 12 could look like. I mean, if it wasn't open already, the door just got kicked open. Uh, and I'm talking about K-State in Norman – against yes. OU, uh, those two teams meet. K-State coming off a big win, Tech coming off a big win. First, I want to hear your thoughts on the Sooners going down in Norman. Okay, so just to set the scene for you, so Tiki Barber and I and our radio crew, we've done the game. We get out of the traffic. We get back to the hotel area. We get back to a to a, uh, a bar location uh, to go get some food in the Lubbock area after we're done. We sit down and Ohio State's already up four touchdowns on Wisconsin. But wait a minute, Thomas, we look over here to this TV and K-State is beating Oklahoma. And like the whole bar is anti-Oklahoma. What did you call it? The other eight? The The hateful eight, baby. The hateful eight is ready to roll now. Now all of Lubbock is rooting for K-State in this game. And I can tell you that was very impressive. Very impressive what they were able to do in Norman um especially running the ball and martinez the quarterback of course disgraced and and gone from nebraska makes the huge scramble the run late in the game they are dangerous and and they have been very good um in these kind of situations as kind of the unheralded team and now it's fascinating like you said that they come home where it could be a natural letdown after beating oklahoma at oklahoma and it's got to be a natural letdown, doesn't it, for Texas Tech off the emotional overtime win to come in. And it's an early game. It's an 11 a.m. game in Manhattan in, in the Little Apple. So I don't know who has the bigger letdown here. And that's a large line, too. Kansas State, K-State favored by eight in that game here midweek. I don't, I'm going back to you. I don't know what to make of that. It's kind of a little letdown for both. 
could be an emotional letdown for both. Maybe we see a little bit of a dull first quarter from both of these teams, a little flat. There could be that, that hangover. I really do think there could be that hangover. Um, And I'm hoping both of, I mean, this is a low, this is a low key, great, going to be a great game. Uh, You mentioned maybe a dull first quarter. I believe it, you know, Kansas state, one of those teams had us fooled. You know, they lose to Tulane team. That, again, is no slouch. This Tulane team gave OU fits last year in Norman. Uh, one of the better, I don't know if you follow the uh, mm-hmm. uniform tracking, one of the better. If you're if you're a, a football Willie Fritz. fashionista. Willie Fritz. That Willie was a, Fritz, Tulane, yep. That was a great Big 12 fashion, or, you know, a, a uniform fashionista game. Um, but that game is going to be huge. That 11 a.m. kick, you know, uh, it's a weird. Well, well, time. Here's, another, here's another thing. If I can interject, K-State ran it for 275 yards, almost six yards a clip. They ran it 39 times. Actually, I'm sorry, 49 times at Oklahoma. Will the K-State run game grind it some on Texas Tech and shorten the game? Keep Donovan Smith on the sidelines some. That's going to be a big factor. Will the will the Red Raider defense, which was good. They weren't great. They were good. They gave up the long run to Bijan Robinson in the second half. Are they going to hold up when K-State, I believe, will try to test them on the ground a bunch in this game? That's my feeling on that. Yeah, I think they will. I think they're going to go back to what worked for them. And, you know, hell of a game by by Martinez. You know, it, what he's been able to do, you know, you got shades of Colin Klein, which for those that don't know, Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator. They ran similar plays. Um, mm-hmm. There was there was likeness to those two plays where Adrian Martinez scored. Um, you know, shades of Colin Klein there. Um, can Martinez do it again? If, if you know, K-State was kind of a dark horse, I believe, going into this season. And I think everyone wrote him off after Tulane. And and now you get that game. And I, I think it makes it a whole, a whole lot interesting here for K-State. And I think Everybody else in the Big 12 is now on K-State watch again. I think it's it's well put. Oklahoma's obviously still dangerous, but they're wounded right now after Kansas State got them uh, last week. And you wonder, I mean, I was all over Baylor for that win at Iowa State. I love them in that spot. Now Baylor, uh, after beating Iowa State, comes home to play Oklahoma State. There's a nasty rumor on Big 12 breakdown that Thomas Bridges may be in the house in Waco for that one. I will, the, I, I will be there. Tyler the Waco Jones authorities, will also be there. Oh, Tyler Jones also there. Are the Waco authorities uh, clearing the fact that Jones and Bridges are rolling into Waco for Oak State and uh, and Baylor? That could be a letdown for the Baylor Bears at home. I know there's some question marks that Oklahoma State hadn't played anybody yet, but is that maybe a letdown for Baylor in this you know, game off the win? I am sure hoping so, just making that trip, but – this is you're talking about a Big 12 matchup. Great lead in there. I want to touch on this game definitely before I let you go here. Um, this game, we're talking about a Big 12 rematch, Big 12 champion rematch. And we're, we're even maybe looking. I'm not throwing shade at OU and saying they're out of it because they're always in it. But this is a potential first game of two that could happen this year between these two teams. Um, and it, it was last year, and I think it has a great potential this year. You know, I watched that Iowa State-Baylor game. Shapen, I, I think his accuracy is very impressive. And if if they can give him some time against that fearsome four um, for Oklahoma State, 
Uh, he could pick you apart. And I, I think that it would be a key to victory for Baylor. Protect Shapin because if you don't, he, he is young enough, sophomore quarterback. He folds like a lawn chair if you can collapse that pocket. Same thing for Oklahoma State. You want to talk about quarterback plays, as cliche as that is. Spencer Sanders, the past three games, I think, against Baylor, 10 interceptions. Cannot have that. Wow. 10. Four in that Big 12 championship game. I think two or three in the game that they somehow won in Stillwater earlier last season. So that would indicate, just with you saying that, that Aranda, who's a defensive mind, they have figured a couple of things out on how how to put him, make him uncomfortable and put him in situations where he'll throw it to you. Uh, I just, I was thinking this when you were saying that it got to the point where like, like I'll, I'll relate this. I relate everything back to the Tampa Bay area and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When the Buccaneers were rising in their heyday and I'm speaking your language here with Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and John Lynch and those Tony Dungy defenses, they were always playing the green Bay Packers in the old uh, NFC central. And it was known all over the NFL that Favre will throw interceptions that Brett Favre will throw interceptions. But what Dungy's team was great at was two things was one getting after Favre with the pass rush and doing the, the swipe, doing the, uh, the slash across the arms and get the strip sack and get the fumble recovery. They were great with that, but they knew how to pressure him, blitz him and, and bait him into interceptions. So what you're tipping me here on is kind of the same analogy. Baylor may be onto something with Spencer Sanders on how do we blitz him from certain areas and set him up to throw picks and set him up to make mistakes because they've done it before. So that's something to keep an eye on, on Baylor with the takeaways. I just wonder if they're a little flat after that win over Iowa state, we're going to find out in that one. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And, you know, I, I think Spencer Sanders has looked better. He's looked more matured, which he should be. Um, you know, it'll be interesting how that, that pass block um, sets up for him. He, he, it looks a little bit better than last year uh, just from the eye test, but, Aranda's a great mind. Aranda did say that was brought up, um, touch on this real quick, was brought up in his presser on Monday. They said, hey, you know, they brought up the Spencer Sanders 10 interceptions and they brought up the, hey, you won the Big 12 championship game against this. How big is this game? And he said, listen, no knock on our guys, but the guys that made those plays in those games are gone now. <laughs> and he was like, but likewise, some a lot of the defensive players for Oklahoma State that made those plays are now playing in the NFL. One Malcolm Rodriguez for the Detroit Lions. That's a big name as a rookie. Uh, a lot of those players are gone. So and I like that from Miranda that said, "Hey, we recognize the history between this, but there are new guys with new opportunities, and we have to take advantage of those opportunities." Uh, I, I think it's going to be a great game. Well, and again, you know, for uh, Sanders, as you're mentioning, he's thrown for almost a thousand yards. The 10 touchdowns got a great TD to INT ratio, but it's central Michigan, Arizona state, which was coming apart at the seams, as we now know, and firing Herm Edwards a week later and Arkansas Pine bluff. Right. Not That's not great. exactly murderers row for Sanders to look good against. This will be a step up against Baylor for sure. This is, this is the test. This is who we, I think this week we find out what kind of team Oklahoma State is and we found out about other teams but uh nonetheless TJ gonna be another great week in the Big 12 gonna be gonna be a superb week uh you know I know you're down there in Hurricane Central down there in Florida and I know game day is going to Clemson and NC State which should be a great game if they can get that game played 
Um, wow, that's the wild thing because again, at the time you and I are talking, Hurricane Ian has made landfall into Florida. Luckily, I am north of Tampa proper and we're not getting much effects from that. Now we don't know what's going to happen in the coming couple of days as we head towards the weekend with power and power outages, etc. But to your point, that the Hurricane Ian is going to go through the state of Florida out to the Atlantic Ocean and then swing back Friday night into Saturday to come into the Carolinas uh, and jeopardize NC State, Clemson, and anything else that's there. Now, it's not supposed to be ultra-powerful, but it's just something else to keep an eye on with the bad weather we've been having uh, midweek here. Not going to affect anything in the Big 12, as it turns out, but it could be it could be affecting uh, anything that's happening in the Carolinas uh, for sure on the weekend. It'll be it'll be definitely an East Coast uh, something East Coast to watch this weekend, you know, just across college football landscape. Not only in state NC State Clemson, but uh, several others I, I know will be affected by that. So, TJ, hey man, always great having you on. Always great giving you a talk. Uh, we'll go ahead and let you go. And and folks, that is going to do it for the Big Twelve breakdown this week. Uh, so for TJ. And for Tyler and the rest of the crew, I'm Thomas Bridges, and we will see you next week.